Exodus 17, verse 8, says this. At Rephidim, Amalek came and fought against Israel. Moses said to Joshua, select some men for us to go and fight against Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the hilltop with God's staff in my hand. Joshua did as Moses had told him and fought against Amalek while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. While Moses held his hand up, Israel prevailed. But whenever he put his hand down, Amalek prevailed. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you, God, for your word and for this passage. And we have just the wonderful opportunity just to peer into history. And God, I pray as we look at this account found in your word that, that we would do a few things. One, that we would be encouraged as to the power that you have. And two, that we would be humbled before you and the authority of your word that we might walk out of here with a higher view of you. That way that we might give our life to you. That way that we might give our problems to you. That way that we might give our sin to you so that you can be the one to bear the weight of it and not us. I pray that you're glorified in what we're about to do in these few moments. And it's in your son's name I pray. Amen. All right, y'all can have a seat. Well, like I said, uh, this past week, me and my family went to uh, Disney World, uh, and we had a fun time over there. It was a blast. My daughter is three and a half years old, so it was really fun to be able to watch her see everything that she's seen on the TV and in books come to life. She's like able to uh, see like the, the Walt Disney... Um, castle and all of her favorite characters and all those things. And I didn't realize until I got there that she actually believes that those are the characters. Those are real life Olaf is standing right in front of her. It's like she was starstruck. Um, but one of the sweetest things that she did, the first uh, day that we were there, we went to Toy Story Land and, and we told her, hey, you can pick out one souvenir uh, while we're here. And she picked out this uh, T-Rex uh, stuffed doll from Toy Story. And man, her and that stuffed doll were best friends through the rest of the trip. Um, they just explored the whole park together. Whenever she would go meet characters, she would hold the T-Rex doll out to make sure that the T-Rex doll got the hug first uh, before her. There's actually a picture of it right here. And uh, poor Minnie and poor Daisy uh, didn't know what to do with that. She just like shoved the T-Rex and they're like, well, what do I do with this? And Lottie's like, give it a hug, give it a hug. Um, and so, man, it was just such a precious trip. But what I want to talk to you about for a few seconds is not what we did while we were there, but more of how we got there, right? So, so we did... We, we did Six days total, four days actually there, and two days of travel. And so we had some luggage that we had to deal with. And the more luggage that you have, the bigger logistical pain it becomes to get that luggage from here to over there. And so let's just talk about that for a second. Um, so here's some of the luggage that we had. This was my wife's luggage right here. And... I've split the room in half already here because half of you are saying, y'all, we're only gone for six days. What is she packing to be able to, to need all of this? And the other half of you are saying, that's not enough space. You need more than that. Now, some of you will come to my wife's defense in this moment and say, hey, y'all have two kids. She has to pack stuff for the kids too. No, 
this is my daughter's luggage. Uh, you know, stylish pink leopard print. Uh, she got to choose out herself. So we had that as well. This was my luggage, which ended up not just being my luggage, but other people's luggage as well. Because as a guy, we just throw like two pairs of pants and a couple of shirts and we'll just figure it out when we get there, right? So that's mine. And now, at this point, you might say, that's all you need. No, this just takes care of us while we're there. We still have to get there. We still have to fly on a plane there and back. And so this bag right here is all the entertainment for the trip, the coloring books, the toys, all that stuff for Lottie. Uh, we also have a one-year-old, and so we need diapers, we need wipes, we need bottles, all that stuff. That was this bag right here. And no trip is complete without snacks. So that was this bag right here. Now, as you can imagine, we have a one-year-old and a three-year-old. So our hands are limited. Uh, uh, Randy's carrying the one-year-old. We're trying to make sure the three-year-old doesn't die while we're in the parking lot. And so that leaves me, the manager of all of this that we have to go through parking, through shuttles, through airports, there and back. This is us, right? <laughs> now, I didn't think about this until we actually got there. Oh my goodness, how are we going to actually deal with this? Well, I'm playing 4D chess up here. I don't know about y'all. We got this guy. Y'all ready for this? Y'all ready for the great unveiling of this? Check out the 2023 Jeep Grand Wagon ear. Get it? Get, get it? Yeah. <laughs> Half of you are going to get that on the way home. All right, so we brought this wagon for our kids. That was the original intention, was to bring this wagon for our kids. Uh, fun fact for all of you out there, Disney does not allow wagons in their park. Yeah, um, but the day is not lost because I realized that whenever I had to manage all this stuff, we have a wagon with us. Why don't we just throw it in the wagon? So that's exactly what I did. I took this guy. I loaded this with bricks to simulate the weight, by the way. I still think it's lighter. Um, then I got this guy in here. I folded this guy up. To put this guy right here. And then... This guy went here, this guy went there, this guy went there, boom! Check that out. Now I can just push this around. Man, I was going through the airport, all the other dads were looking at me with jealousy. Here was my conundrum. I had a burden of weight that I had no capacity to carry and to move around but I had tools available to me to dispense that burden of weight onto something else and push it around. And as I was pushing around the airport and everyone was looking on me with jealousy, I had the thought in my mind, this reminds me a lot of our passage today. That in the same way that I had, uh, didn't have the capacity to carry that stuff around, to move that stuff around logistically, the Israelites in today's passage faced a problem in which they were ill-equipped and ill-prepared to deal with. And so what did they do? Moses, um, knowing what God has done in their life coming out of Egypt, knew that his best, his best um, 
way of getting out of the situation is going to be to offload the burden of the situation onto God. Now, if you don't know um, this passage well, um, the uh, Israelites had just gotten liberated out of uh, Egypt recently. Uh, and uh, as they got out of Egypt, now they were dealing with a lot of problems that they didn't have to deal with before. So they had to figure out, okay, how are we going to get food? How are we going to get water? How are we going to have shelter? And one of the things that they had to worry about is external threats. And so people would now try to come, attack them, kill them, and take their stuff. And that's exactly what happened today. The, the Amaleks came up and started to attack them. And Israel at this point was not a tight-knit nation. They were just a group of people. Remember, they were 400 years enslaved to the Egyptians. If they had any sort of tight-knit nation status, it has been stripped long ago. And God, over the course of uh, the next few books of the Bible, is going to knit that nation back together into a great world power, but they're not there yet. And so the Amaleks come and attack them, and they're not ready for this. And so Moses decides, okay, I've seen what God has done as he has um, pulled us out of Egypt and demonstrated his power there. And if God can do that there, God can do that here. So we get this picture of um, uh, Moses offloading the burden of this battle Onto God. Let's take a look at the passage again. So, uh, Exodus 17, verse 8. Uh, at Rephidim, Amalek came and fought against Israel. Moses said to Joshua, Select some men for us to go and fight against Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the hilltop with God's staff in my hand. Joseph did as, or Joshua did as Moses had told him and fought against Amalek while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up on top of the hill. While Mo, Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed, but whenever he put his hand down, Amalek prevailed. Now, I find this to be such an interesting uh, passage, and it's one of my favorites because it gives us a concrete example of what it looks like to give something over to God. If you're like me, growing up, I heard all of these wonderful testimonies of people who were addicted to drugs or to alcohol or to something else, and they hit rock bottom in life. And when they hit rock bottom in life, they found the Lord, and they, they gave those addictions to the Lord. They gave the sin to the Lord, and, and they never dealt with them again. And I remember... Um, when I was younger, like I wanted to applaud that. Uh, I wanted to say, man, that is great. I am so happy for you. But I don't know what you mean by that. Like I want to give my sin over to the Lord, but it seems that every time I give to the Lord, it just falls back on my face. And so like, I, I don't know what you mean by that, to give it over to the Lord. I would have this internal struggle in my life where, where internally I knew what I wanted to do, I knew what I ought to do, I, I knew what I hoped to do, but there was this conflict within me that, that would pull me the other way and, and, and it, would, it would pull my desires to do things that I shouldn't do. And, and it wasn't that I didn't want to give my sin to the Lord. It wasn't that I didn't want to give, give it over. It's like, I just, what does that even mean? How do I give it over to the Lord? And I remember reading this passage and I was just so encouraged by this passage because it gives us a real life example of what it means to give a battle over to the Lord. And so, so what I want to do today is just take a look at this passage because we have the opportunity to look at Moses, one of the, the heroes of the faith, 
and to see what it looks like for him to do this. And then we can take that example and apply it to our lives. So as we battle with sin in our life, as we have an internal turmoil going on in our life, we can apply these same things to our life so that way we might give the battle over to the Lord. So that's what I want to do today. I want to go through this passage and just point out a few things for you of how we can give the battle over to the Lord. So the first thing that we see Moses do is he goes up on the hill and uh, he holds up his hands. And whenever he holds his hands up, they win. And whenever he puts his hands down, they lose. Now, it's really important to note here that Moses is not a glorified cheerleader. It's not like whenever he's up there doing a cheer, like all the Israelites get a morale boost and then they, they can do well. And then when Moses sits down, all of a sudden they start, um, they start uh, losing the war. It's not like home field advantage where the Cowboys are playing at the stadium and they have all the people cheering them on. And because of that, they like get an extra burst of energy. That's not what's going on. What's going on is what Moses has with him. It specifies that Moses took up there with him the staff of God. Now, if you know much about the exodus that just happened with Moses and the Israelites, is that this staff that Moses had was a crucial part of what was going on because it was the representation of God's power in their lives. Like, like what we see happen with the staff is that Moses, before Pharaoh, throws it on the ground, it turns into a serpent and actually eats up the Pharaoh's serpents and then turns back into a staff, demonstrating that, that God has power over Pharaoh. That, that Moses took this staff and, and plunged it into the river and the water of the river turned to blood, demonstrating he has power over that. That whenever they're standing before the Red Sea and the Egyptians are closing in on them, what does Moses do? He holds the staff up, the seas separate, they walk through and the seas uh, gobble up the Egyptians. This staff was the representation and the manifestation of God's power. Now, if we were to turn to us for a second, none of us have Moses' staff, right? Like if you did, you could probably make a lot of money off of it. Uh, but none of us have Moses' staff. Now, here's the, the great thing. We don't need it. We've got something better, the Spirit of God in our life. Amen. See, back then, God's power was demonstrated and manifested through the staff of, uh, staff of God. But now that Jesus has died and resurrected, the Bible says that we are imparted with the very spirit of God and with the very spirit of God, the very power of God. And there are charlatans all across TV who will try to sell you items that have imparted in it the spirit or the, the power of God. I, I remember uh, seeing one Growing up, uh, there's this guy that said, sow a seed of faith. That's what they always say, which basically means just give us money. Um, so if you sow a seed of faith of a hundred bucks, we're going to send you miracle manna. That's what they called it. This is real. Like, I'm not making this up. We're going to send you miracle manna. And here's what you do. If you like place this in any part of your life and you're going to see God work in your life. So if you want to buy a house, and, and it's not working out for you, take this miracle manna, go to the house, break it into four pieces, put one in each corner of the house, and within a week you will have that house. God. <laughs> Lightning's gonna strike down on them real quick. That's not what this is. You don't need that. You don't need an item that's gonna manifest the power of God because you have the spirit of God that is the power of God in your life. The, the Bible has established this 
time and time and time again. Ephesians 3.20 says this, Now to him, God, who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. 2 Peter 1.3, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and to godliness. Acts 1.8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. 2 Timothy 1.7, For God has given us a spirit not of fear, but of power and of love and self-control. 1 Corinthians 4.20, For the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. I could just keep going. Over and over and over and over again, it talks about how if you have placed your faith in Jesus, you have been given the Spirit of God in your life, and the Spirit of God contains the power of God. Now, here's the question. It's not whether or not you have the Spirit of God, if you've placed your faith in Jesus. It's are you yielding yourself and lifting up the Spirit of God in your life over your battles? That's the question. And that brings us to our first point on how do we give the battle over to God, and that is to let the Spirit empower you. Let the Spirit empower you. In the same way that when Moses lifted up that staff, it was a demonstration to him and to all the Israelites that God's power is going to be the thing that gives us strength to get through this. Whenever we lift the Spirit up in our life, we're saying it is through the Spirit's empowerment in our life that we're going to defeat sin and that we're going to get through this. Let the Spirit empower you. Now, an important thing to note here is that when giving a battle over to God, that doesn't absolve you of all responsibility. You still have responsibility in that. Like if you were to just look at this battle between the Israelites and the Amaleks, Moses is up there giving it to God, but the Israelites are still fighting. The Israelites are still on the ground floor doing what they're doing. So it's not just like, oh, we've given it over to God. Now we can just sit back and eat Cheetos and just watch them work. No, it's whenever we give um, the battle over to the Lord, we're not saying we're not going to be in the fight. We're saying we're going to allow the Spirit to empower us to give us strength to win the fight. That's what it means, right? So, so you still have a responsibility in this. We still have to go in and, and do um, uh, the work against sin. So uh, practically, what does that look like? because I don't want to speak so spiritual and so Christianese way up here that, that none of us can go home and actually apply these things. So, so here's a simple phrase that I've heard to just help you understand how to apply this practically. Feed the Spirit, starve the flesh. Feed the Spirit, starve the flesh. Paul, multiple times in the New Testament, speaks on this inner turmoil that goes on in the life of a Christian uh, that happens between the Spirit of God and what they call the flesh or our simple nature. That there's this inner turmoil, kind of like I mentioned earlier, of you know what you ought to do, you know what you want to do, you know what you hope to do, but there's this inner desire that's just pulling you this way, right? That's the, that, that's the, the battle that's going on inside of us. Paul puts it this way in Galatians 5.17. He says, for the flesh, our sinful nature, desires what is against the spirit, and the spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other, so you don't do what you want to do. So if you've ever wondered, why is it, why is it that I want to strive after God, but I just I'm just getting pulled away. That, that's what's going on. The Spirit of God is in you trying to pull you to God and your flesh trying to pull you away from God. That's what's going on inside of us. That's the battle. 
Now, here's what Paul says on how to deal with this. So just one verse earlier, uh, in verse 16, it says, I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will certainly not carry out the desires of the flesh. If I was to paraphrase that and rework that, I would say, feed the Spirit, walk by the Spirit, and by effect, you will starve the flesh and not carry out the desires of the flesh. Because you're going to feed one thing. You're either going to feed the Spirit, you're either going to pray to God, worship God, read God's Word, meditate on God's Word, congregate with God's people. You're going to empower the Spirit in your life. You're going to feed the Spirit in your life and give it more room in your life to, to be more present in your life. Or you're going to feed this, the, the flesh. You're going to um, give in to sin. You're going to make provisions for the sin. You're going to indulge in your sinful nature, allowing that to grow and to enslave you into that. You're going to feed one or the other. And, and I don't know if y'all have realized this. Whatever you feed grows. Just look at my daughter. She eats all the time and she's just growing like a weed. It's crazy. Whatever you feed grows and by effect, whatever you don't feed shrinks and starves out. And so Paul is saying, hey, feed the Spirit in your life. Walk by the Spirit. You want the Spirit to be more present? Walk by the Spirit. You want sin to be less present? You want your flesh to die out? Starve it out. This is actually a military technique, a military strategy. It's called a siege. And so what they do is um, whatever army or, or city that you're trying to uh, get victory over, you'll just have your army or military surround it and block off all exit points and all entry points. And so what eventually happens? They go through all their supplies. And the more that they go through all their supplies, they start to um, uh, get weaker and weaker and die out, or they just get to the point that they just surrender. And so in the battle in our life between the spirit and the flesh, Paul is saying here, walk by the spirit, feed the spirit, and by effect, starve out the flesh. That's what it means to, to let the spirit empower you in your life. Let the spirit work in your life. Don't grieve the spirit, as the Bible says. You want to give God the battle in your life. Let the spirit empower you to fight the good fight and to give you strength to win the battle. Now, what happens next, I find fascinating and profound. Exodus 17, let's pick it back up in verse 11. While Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. But whenever he put his hand down, Amalek prevailed. When Moses' hands grew heavy, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat down on it. Then Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side, and one on the other, so that his hands remained steady until the sun went down. So as we talked about, um, as Moses lifted up the staff of God, the, the representation of God's power, that, that caused them to win the battle. But as soon as he started to drop it, he, they started to lose the battle. Well, it sounds simple enough. You just stand there and hold your hands up. Well, note here that it says that they remained steady until the sun went down. They were up here all day. We can probably presume they went up there in the morning. And so eight hours plus, 10 hours plus, 12 hours plus, they were standing there. When I got my watch, uh, it kept notifying me once an hour to stand up. And I finally got so annoyed with it that I turned it off. Anyone there with me on that? We have a hard enough time standing for 10 minutes, much less hours on end holding up a staff. And so what eventually happens? You get tired. Your arms start to give way. Your arms start to get heavy. 
And so here's, here's the profound part that happens. Aaron and her, his friends, Moses had his friends come up beside him and bear the burden of the weights when he couldn't. Church, that's profound right there. And what that tells me this, that if you want any shot of giving the battle over to the Lord and consistently getting victory over your sin, you can't do it alone. You can't. You have to have people come alongside you. You are not physically strong enough, mentally strong enough, emotionally strong enough, spiritually strong enough to do this by yourself. You have to have, come pe- you have, to have people come alongside you and support you when you can't support yourself. And that brings us to our second point for today, our second point. Our first point was let the spirit empower you. The second point is let the church support you. Let the church support you. And when I say church here, I don't mean us gathering together on Sundays. I don't mean us doing events. I don't mean um, the organization of the church. I mean the capital C church, God's people. You need godly people in your life to come alongside you and walk alongside you so that way they can support you when you need it. There's times in life that we are just spunky. Like you had, a, you had a good cup of coffee that day. You wake up with a kick in your step and you're just ready to go tooth and nail with sin. Everyone know, know those days? Then there's days where you're just doing good to get out of bed. That may be some of y'all today. You're doing good just to get dressed and keep the kids alive. Much less deal with the sin in your life. And what you need in that moment is on those days where life gets heavy, where our arms get heavy, where we can't bear that burden of weight, we need people that we can call up and say, hey, I can't support this weight. Can you help me support it? Because we want to remain steady through this. One of my favorite verses, one of the 1500, is Galatians 6.2. It says, bear one another's burdens, and in doing so, you fulfill the law of Christ. And a lot of times we, we uh, use that verse to apply it to um, anxieties or to stress or to struggles. And, and you know, that, that's not bad. I think we should bear each other's burdens in that. But in the broader context of that verse of bearing one another's burdens, what it's actually talking about is bearing one another's burdens with sin. Let's actually pull up the passage, Galatians 6.1. Brothers and sisters, if someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual, restore such a person with a gentle spirit, watching out for yourselves so that you also won't be tempted. Carry one another's burdens or bear one another's burdens. In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. And so there's times in life, again, that we're ready to go. We're ready to, to go tooth and nail with sin, but then there's times in life that, that we just fall off the wagon a little bit. That, that we're not yielding ourselves to the Spirit quite how we need to. And you need people in your life who are gonna, that you give permission to call you out in those times. Like, that's the important part. Like, find some, some close people in your life and literally give them permission. Hey, if you, if you see me doing anything that isn't glorifying God, I want you to call me out on it. Give people permission. You need people in your life who you can be completely vulnerable with that they know all the deep, dark nooks and crannies in your life. So when you're struggling with that thing, you can call them up and say, hey man, I can't bear this burden. Can you help? You need those people in your life to come alongside you. My poor baby girl, uh, again, she's three years old. We were on this uh, vacation and man, she was a trooper for the first couple of days. Like my watch was telling me that we were walking over five miles each day. 
And for the first few days, she would make it through the whole day. And then by the end of the day, she would kind of start to collapse a little bit. And, uh, and we had to help her. But by day three, man, we would get five minutes into the park. And she's already, I can just see it on her. Her body is catching up with her at that point. And she can no longer bear her weight anymore. And so what do I do as a father? I, I pick her up. And I carry her. And man, she's stout. 43, 43 pounds strong. And... And <laughs> wiggly. <laughs> and so for the rest of those days, I would either carry her on my arm or on my shoulders or on my back because when she couldn't bear the weight of herself, I bore it for her. Church, we need people like that in our life. Life gets heavy. Things happen. Events happen. You lose people. You have marital troubles. You have financial troubles. You have work troubles. You wake up and just for no reason, you wake up and you're just depressed that day and you're just having a hard time getting out of bed. The, the burden of life is just pressing down on you and you need people in that moment that you can call and say, I can't bear the weight right now. Can you help ease the burden just a little bit for me until I can? We need those people in our life. We need Aaron's and we need hers. Find those people, let the church support you. And what does that do? Let's pull back up that passage. Uh, sorry, uh, the next one, yeah. In verse 12, when Moses' hands grew heavy, they took a stone and put it under him, and he uh, sat down, and Aaron and her supported his hands, one on one side, one on the other side, so that his hands remained steady until the sun went down. See, Moses was interested in the long haul of the battle, not in just a moment. And same thing with us. You might be able to get through today. You might be able to get through tomorrow. You might be able to get through a week or one year, five years, 10 years, 20 years. I'm not impressed by people who can be on fire for the Lord for a couple of weeks. I'm impressed by people who can live a consistent life dedicated to the Lord for 40 years, for 50 years. And you do that by having people come alongside you. No. Let's go ahead and keep going. Uh, go to the next passage. So then Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and one on the other, so that his hands remained steady until the sun went down. Verse 13, so Joshua defeated Amalek and his army with the sword. The Lord then said to Moses, write this down on a scroll as a reminder and recite it to Joshua. I will completely blot out the memory of Amalek under heaven. And Moses built an altar and named it Yeshua Nisi. The Lord is my banner. Now, why did, why did Moses do that? Why did he take an altar, build it, and name it, the Lord is my banner? Here's the important part. If you are going to give the battle over to the Lord, what you also have to do is give the victory over to the Lord. And a lot of us are really good at like, God help me, God help me, God help me. And then the victory happens and where's God? You just move on with your life and you wonder why you're struggling with sin in your life. It's because you're not actually celebrating what God is doing in your life. You're just, you're, you're just seeking them out as like, just to get you through the hard time. And then when the hard time's gone, you're like, God who? I don't know. And what Moses did was he knew that they were dense and forgetful. And so we see all throughout the Old Testament that, that whenever God does something amazing in the lives of the Israelites, what, what do they do? They set a day to remind them of it, 
to where yearly they go back and celebrate that thing. They write a song that they could sing to remind them of what's going on. They build altars and, and name them the Lord is my banner or whatever God did in that moment. They did that because they knew that if they don't do those things, they will soon forget that those things even happen. And some of you are struggling with sin and, and being defeated by sin because you forgot that the Lord has given you victory over that sin. And so maybe what you need to do is just build an altar in your life. We do this all the time, by the way, in our culture. Like we have Memorial Day and 9-11 and anniversaries and um, Christmas and Easter and birthdays. We have days where we, we specifically come together to remember something or to honor something or to celebrate something. Why? Because if we don't, we will go years and years and years and years and forget they even happened. What you choose to celebrate is what you choose to encourage in your life. And so maybe what you need to do is just take a step back and just celebrate the victory that's gone on in your life. And that's the, the third point for today on how to give the battle over to the Lord. One is to let the Spirit empower you. Two is to let the church support you. And three is to let God's victory be known in your life. Even in the small things. Let's say you just have a small, like you're tempted with something, you have a small victory over that. Take time, pray to God, thank Him for the victory that He's given you in that life. Maybe those people that you're vulnerable with, those people that you're, you're, uh, you're Aaron and you're her, that you want to come alongside you, you're tempted in something and you come out the other side victorious through the power of the Spirit. You call those people up and say, this is what happened. Can you just celebrate with me for a second? What you celebrate is what you encourage. And if you celebrate the victories of God, then the next time that you're in a battle with sin, you know what you're going to do? You're not only going to give glory to God because of it, but you're going to remember back uh, to the time that God has brought you through battles with sin, given you victory, and that will give you strength and power to know he's given me victory then, he can give me victory now. Let God's victory be known in your life. Now, now let me just give you some encouragement for a second because I've been alive for 32 years and that's long enough to have some days where I'm like, Lord, just end it now. Lord, just come back now. I'm done, let's go. The battle of sin... The battle of life is long and it's hard and it's burdensome. And some days I can bear it and some days I have a hard time bearing it. But let me just give you some encouragement in the same way that God told Moses that I will completely blot out the name of the Amaleks from all under heaven. God has told us that there's gonna be a day that he's gonna blot out all sin, all death, all shame, all sorrow, all pain. He's gonna take all that and throw it away. And you're going to be left, yeah, amen. We're going to be left with perfection. That's going to happen, guys. But until then, we fight the good fight. We get into the battle. We allow the Holy Spirit to empower us. We allow the church to support us. And we celebrate the victories that God has given us in our life. Let me pray we do that. Lord, we thank you so much that you are not a God who leaves us to our, to our sin, but you are a God who comes in and walks alongside us. That when we don't have the, the ability to fix the sin in our life, you come alongside us and bear the burden of that weight. And so, Lord, I just pray, us together as a church, that we would just come together convicted of our sin and lifting up our sin to you and giving it over to you. 
gain the victory and then way we can stand on the other side and say Yeshua Nisi the Lord is my banner the Lord is my victory the Lord fights for me I don't know where you're at today that there may be some of you that that you're that person that you had a great cup of coffee you have all the energy in the world life is going great for you but there may be some of you that you just had a hard time even walking through this door today that life is just crushing you with weight. Let me just talk to you all for a second. Today, the Lord wants to ease your burden today. And so I just want to just take a few moments just where we're at right now, just take a few moments just to lift up those burdens to the Lord. If you're a person who isn't burdened by life right now, maybe you just need to pray for the other people around you. But if you're a person who's burdened by, the, by life today, just take a moment and just lift it up to the Lord. going to move into a time of invitation and this is really a time for you to respond however God is calling you to respond you may need to come up to the altar and pray and just give things over the Lord maybe you need to come up to the altar and just symbolically build an altar of worship and just celebrate what God has done in your life celebrate the victories that God has given in your life maybe you're a person who you've never given your life to Jesus and so you literally don't have the power to win these battles because you don't have the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God isn't for everyone. It's for those who have placed their faith in Jesus. And so maybe you need to just get that right. Maybe you need to place your faith in Jesus, give your life to God, and in doing so, receive the Spirit of God to give you the power to move forward. If that's you, we wanna talk to you. We'd love to walk you through that process. However God is moving in your life, this is your opportunity to respond to that. Can we all stand up? We're going to stand up and we're going to sing. And however God is moving in your life, we encourage you to do so.